Welcome to Shit Talk Fridays, a podcast where we talk about all things lifestyle and relationships with a splash of controversy. Welcome back to Shit Talk Fridays. I'm Gina. And I'm Evo. I hoped everybody missed us because we did not post an episode last Friday. Took a, I guess what you would call it a, a needed break. I mean, it was needed, but not like that kind of needed. You think it was a needed break? I think I was overworked. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I, I felt like it was needed because you had you took a job and mm-hmm. it was a long hour, long days type of job. And so there was just no way it was all going to get done. You had to take a break. So it was needed. Yeah, there was no way uh, we were going to be able to push out an episode for our listeners and watchers that was of quality. So here we are today for you. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Let's cheers and drink, Evo. We are actually drinking a white wine that I received as a gift from a recent client. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Mm, That tastes pretty good. I will say, though, um, it's probably a little bit drier than we regularly drink. When it comes to white? A little bit. I wouldn't say it's like um, like from one extreme to the other type of dry. But yeah, there's a slight... Slight dryness. Slight couple levels up there. <laughs> Not too bad. Okay, so let's get into our topic for tonight. Uh, because it's something that I'm excited to talk about. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, uh. And forewarned everybody, our cat decided that this was the moment that he, Kylo, the Dark Lord, was going to hang around us. We could not get him to not hang around us. So if he happens to pop up, there's nothing that we could do about it. He's been real needy lately. Super needy. I'm not really sure what's happening. But so tonight we are talking about parenting fails. And of course, Evo and I are going to talk about these topics that we have for you based on our own personal experience Mm -hmm. and the fact that we are both parents to three children teenager adult and And a young child and a young child obviously the teen the adult and the young and the teenager actually would he be considered a teenager anymore i mean he's still in his teens so yeah i mean no, he's 20. Stop playing. <laughs> Bro, this is too much to keep track of. I know. He's 20, so he's not even a teenager no. anymore. But, of course, in order them for them to be adults, we have had one time for them had had to been small children, you know, young children, teenagers, so on and so forth. Right. So I would say that we have some experience when it comes to parenting yeah. and parenting failures that um, I would just like for us to talk a little bit about and um, also share with you maybe some research that I did into some of the topics regarding parenting failures to hope to help support some of the information that we're going to give to you. So I would love for you to um, start us off Evo with the first parenting failure that you know you could reflect upon. Um, so the first parenting failure that came to mind for me was, um, setting like perfection as an expectation, Mm. you know, that's, uh, I feel like by nature that was something for me that 
I really tried to enforce in parenting. Um, and when I say a level of perfection, it was like an expectation. As a parent, I wanted our children to be a better version of us, of me. So in order to achieve that, I have to set this expectation of this child to be better in me than me in every way. And I was measuring my success as a parent in the ability to do that. Wow. So do you understand the amount of pressure that I was putting on our children? Trying to make myself feel like. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing as a parent by making them better than me. Wow, that's actually not something that I thought you ever thought about when yeah, it came to parenting. Absolutely, you know, and it was a big fail. It definitely was. What? I did not succeed in that. Okay, I was going to ask you, why Why do you consider that a fail? Um. Well... I considered it a fail because it was not the right way to go about raising a child. I, I, I know this now. The correct way was to learn the child's personality. Learn who they are, their weaknesses and their strengths. Mm. Learn how to communicate with those and help cultivate those. Help support the weakness the weak areas and help strengthen those where they need to be strengthened and help grow the, sh the areas that you find that are strengths be supportive in all of those areas mm. um, and provide the child the platform to be the best that they can be naturally whatever it is that that the child grows up to be organically rather than trying to mold and control them it's I mean don't get, there's a lot of parents that do it but I feel like, yeah, we were we were those parents. Yeah, we were those time. parents. And for me, it was solely based on an image that I had in my head of what I wanted my child to, to be like. Yeah. And the only way that I would feel that I did anything good is if the child turned out better than I did. Because like, who's better than me than a better version of me? Right. That, like, that's what I thought in my head. Yeah. So in order to get to that, I had to execute that into somebody who wasn't me. I would like to say that I think Anthony, our oldest, is oh, yeah. the one that really... He was the beta. Yeah, he tore that He tore that down. Yeah, he was the beta. I came into the relationship, you know, with this mindset. Okay, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm responsible for this child. I have to um, participate in this family and... And being a unit and raising this child the way that I feel a man should raise this child. Yeah, and for anyone that doesn't know, Evo is referring to the fact that he is Anthony and Mateo's stepfather. He came into their lives when Mateo was three and Anthony was just about seven. So I just wanted to give yeah. some, like, you know, backstory to that. Yeah, and um, it didn't, I didn't realize it immediately but it, it, in time you know his characteristics eventually became they be they began to to come about mm -hmm. and they did not like mesh well 
<laughs> with <laughs> the uh, the the image that I was trying to you know uh, portray on him. He was very much his own person, and there were parts of him that did not take well to the mold that I was trying to put him into. Yeah. And fortunately, you know, for me and for him, he was very stern on some of, you know, his personalities. And he didn't, you know, he he stood his ground. Yeah, there was definitely no wavering in Anthony's personality. He was very strong-willed and stood his ground when it came to be who he wanted to be as a young man, as yeah. an individual. Yeah, and what I mean, you know, for some of you, so you're probably wondering, like, wow, this kid was like a young kid. He was defiant. No, he was not. He was very... He was a very good kid. He was a very polite kid, uh, very soft-spoken, not an angry kid. It was just that, um, you know, if you told him, hey, you're going to play soccer, he was going to tell you no. (laughs) So it was one of those things. But if it was like, hey, you need to go to bed, he would go to bed. If you need to wash your clothes, you know, or do clean your room, he would clean his room. But when it came to telling him who he needed to be as a person... That you could that you could not tell that boy anything. He knew what felt right, and if it didn't feel right, he wasn't doing it. As far as for him personally, I think one of the big fails in that aspect, when I reflect upon Anthony, is we a lot of the times went to him with our advice rather than him coming to us seeking advice. Yeah, and when you know a lot of times we would we would see we would see him struggling through something you know as kids do as they're as they're growing and we would immediately try to intervene and guide him through that the way that we saw was the best way to guide through that rather than like you said allowing him to come to us with the issue and then while he's being receptive give him guidance at that time and a lot of the times because he was young we felt that he didn't know any better and we knew best mm-hmm. and that he needed to listen to us when it came to navigating through some of the things that he was going through yeah and those were the times where we failed the most because he wouldn't do it he would say yes he would agree but when it came to carrying it out it just wasn't in his personality to do so and he did what felt best for him and Time and time again, we realized that we were failing at that. And it wasn't, you know, it was after so many failures that I, I remember saying to myself, um, I need to learn who this who this boy really is. And mm-hmm. I need to figure out how I can help him um, because everything that I'm, you know, not everything, but a lot of things that I'm suggesting that are logical to me when it comes to working through solutions, he just didn't see it that way. He operated differently. And... I realized at one point as a parent, it's my job to understand that. And and once understanding his character, helping him navigate through that the best way possible. But and something and things that make sense for him. Correct. I think that that was very hard for you and I in the sense of learning to navigate what was best suited for Anthony based on who Anthony was and his characteristics. And the reason why I say that it was hard is because we had to really look into the type of person that he was. Um, I think Anthony actually took the Myers-Briggs test that tells you what type of personality you are. And I don't remember the exact one that he was, but what I do remember is, is that his personality is one of the more... Uh, less likely in the population he is like of one percent of the population the way his mind operates and the way he thinks Mm -hmm. is 
vastly different from a lot of people. So we had to really look into, okay, based on this information, what can we do to support this child? And by that time, teenager, almost young man into his future. Yeah. Um, So like... I definitely feel you on that. Like it was definitely we we failed a lot of attempts trying to like enforce what we thought was right. Yeah, it's just you know you want to do you want to you want to be the best parent you can be, and sometimes just pushing something through to what you know you know is right seems right to you as a person, but may not necessarily be right for the person that you're pushing and you know the problem with this i found that in a in a study by the american psychological association they analyzed uh 20,000 students versus over like a span of a bunch of campuses in united states canada and europe um and what they found is that the perception of parents on their children has accelerated like severely mm-hmm. over the last um, 32 years. And it's led to a very large increase in the perception that a child has on themselves. Mm. So this perfect expectation that parents set on their kids, what ends up happening is that the kids almost feel like that that's who they're supposed to be to, to some degree. Okay. And it's dangerous because they internalize those expectations on and and depend on the success of those expectations on how they see themselves. Mm. Like, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? I totally follow you. You know, and so that can kind of be like a, a problem so that when, when the child doesn't meet these expectations, they're looking at themselves as a failure. Wow. Not measuring up to an expectation that was set by set in front of them by the people that are in charge of guiding them when in actuality that doesn't really maybe it doesn't coincide with their actual personality right and who they truly are right so it's like almost going against the grain for them yes you know it really is and i i wish i would have known this information a lot sooner because mm. <laughs> you know it would have it would have helped a lot you know when it yeah. came to raising anthony in our but again like you know you learn you kind of go learn as you go when it comes to raising children and um fortunately we you know we're in a place now where it's very harmonic you know or harmonious yeah uh, and it was just through trial and error and i can look back at this now and see how um i failed tremendously when it came to setting these expectations, especially on him, because he was the first one. He was the first one to grow up and kind of like I, I, I had the opportunity to what I felt was like do good yeah. by this child and navigate him through what I felt was like where he needed to go in life. And it was like the worst thing that I could have did. I would like to say, though, um, I I totally agree with you in saying that it's very harmonious now. I think that we have really made such a strong effort to really understand him as an individual. And that has really benefited us in our current relationship with Anthony. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he's an adult now. He's 25 years old. But man, I want to say the last five years has really been a growth process for us as two parents. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know how many people can relate to this. But we had to destroy our relationship so that we can build a new one. We sure did. We did. And, you know, it worked out and it's great now, you know, but it had to go down that path and just literally be, you know, put, you know, made into ashes. And then a whole new relationship had to be formed from that, which is, you know, it's part of being, you know, parenting. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my my what i feel like was my epi- one of my epic fails how about you um i just want to say before i go into mine i just want to give a shout out to anthony and tell him thank you i don't think sometimes he realized yeah what a valuable lesson he taught us as parents mm-hmm. and i Absolutely. hope that the way we grew together as a family he will then carry that on with his children because I know that he one day himself wants to have children, even though that's um, very scary to me. But <laughs> let's move on. So the parenting fail that I have is something that is, I'm going to be very honest with you. I may get emotional. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, um, it should talk Friday. So yeah. let's talk about it. So my parenting fail, and I think a lot of other parents can probably identify with this, is not advocating for your child's education. Really? You feel like that you felt like that? <sighs> yeah, because um, we have another son. And um, I, I'm i not 100% sure if he wants me to share this. But I'm just going to say that when it came to his education, there was a lot of moments where I felt like I should have stepped in and voiced my concern with more like... I'm trying to see how I could put this. I was afraid to be seen as an ignorant single mother. Moreover, I was afraid to be seen as an ignorant Hispanic single mother. Mm. So a lot of the times I took the guidance of what the education system was telling me when it came to how my son should be educated, even though I could see that my son was still struggling, even with the type of program and the type of facilitation that was being given to him regarding his education. There was many more times I should have spoken up on his behalf. I was not advocating for him as much as I should have been. And it wasn't until... I want to say that he was in the fifth grade. And I also want to attest this to you. When you stepped into my life, um, you became a support system for me. And prior to you being my life, I did not have a support system when it came to the boys' education. I was doing it all on my own. Mm -hmm. So by the fifth grade, you had already been in their lives for several years. And I felt more adequate in stepping up and saying, what's happening in this particular class and i don't know if you remember this particular story he was having um significant significant difficulties in one particular math class where the teacher was just kind of coming in every day just handing out worksheets and really giving him a hard time about the fact that he wasn't adapting to that system even though um some of his educational deficiencies were already acknowledged Mm -hmm. and even though these 
issues that he was having as far as comprehension and his education ability, it didn't seem like this teacher was trying to find a way to still get him to be engaged. Mm -hmm. She was just like, here's this piece of paper. And if you don't want to do it, you're you're a fucking problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, rem I remember, do you remember this. this. Yeah, of course. And I then said, all right, no more. I need to contact the school. I need to call the principal. And I'm like, I honestly feel like this teacher is bullying my child. Because his situation when it comes to how he learns has already been established. Why is she trying to force him into like this bubble that he does not fit? Right, right. He like so. He it, you're basically saying that he had a um. There was a you know he had a uh, um a way of education that he was supposed to be receiving, and in that classroom it wasn't even being addressed. Oh, you know, by f like one hundred percent he was not receiving the right. type of education he should yeah. have been receiving, but. For a very long time, I followed, you know, what the school was telling me. And up until that moment, I was like, you know what? I really don't care what these people think about me anymore. I'm actually very well educated and I'm not going to let them steamroll me and my child. Mm -hmm. I'm going to speak up for him. And from that moment on, it was what is going to be the best for him and his education, regardless of what the system is telling me, because the system what I've realized is not suited for everybody. No, definitely not. Um, and I can say from that point on, you and I, and, and not that we weren't involved in his education prior, because we were, mm -hmm. but from that point on, it became like a hard focus where when he graduated high school, I remember the teachers coming up to us, congratulating us for his accomplishments. And I was like, listen, thank you for that, but advocating for my child's education is something that I at one time failed in so I made it a priority and his success was a priority to me yeah well so, you know I I'm sitting here listening to you and I I think you're being a little hard on yourself <laughs> you know we were that school system was not the greatest yeah and we 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 found that out quickly when we moved to where yeah. we live now, Correct. and we started um, interacting with the the school system and the faculty in the school and, and teachers and things of that nature. And we we realized how different the two two school systems were, and how how much more this school system was invested in their students. Yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah. So I feel like that you know you were very. Um, active in what was going on yeah i just feel like in the beginning i could have done better and when i reflect upon that particular situation i think about my own upbringing and the involvement that my parents had in my education which was non-existent i think you and i both can agree upon this yeah, absolutely. Our, our parents had almost no involvement in our education how we were how we were um, performing in school any extracurricular activities yeah. my parents never took any part in that i even remember at one time in my life graduating from a particular grade and my father didn't even know what grade i was graduating from like literally had no idea what how i was as a student so going into being a parent and 
trying to understand how I should be involved in my child's education, I had almost no like blueprint for that mm -hmm. whatsoever. And, you know, I'm thinking back to something that you just said um, a little while ago is, you know, you kind of figure it out as you go. And I think about some of the conversations that I've had with other parents that are a little bit older than me and parents that came from um, households where their parents were very involved in their education. And a lot of these parents talk about books that they read and um, ways that they found information about how to be a better parent. And of course, that was something that I had like almost no idea of because it was not like not part of the culture or the right. upbringing in my life. Yeah, you just weren't reading books to educate yourself on. Yeah, you know. my mother and my father were not reading a book to figure out how to be a better support system for me in my education whatsoever. How about any bedtime stories, any of those? Zero. Zero. It's like, what's a book? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that I even read as yeah. a child. You mean this thing that we put on the table to keep it from bouncing back and forth? Yeah, that's what that's, what that's for. Yeah, literally. Mm -hmm. I took my education as a young girl very seriously because I just overall had a competitive nature mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be seen as a failure. And that comes from my own personal insecurities of the things that are happening in my home. So then when I became a parent and had to involve myself in my child's education, which I was going to do no matter what, because I remember the feeling of being having a play in my school or coming home with a good test grade and no one giving a shit. Yeah, it's a horrible feeling. But that doesn't mean just because I want to present myself in a better way that I had any idea how to do that. And I know that a lot of parents find themselves kind of lost in the sauce when it comes to how you can advocate for your child. And the one piece of advice I would like to give is to sit down and really listen to what your child is either succeeding at or what your child is, is, is having stress with or what your child is potentially failing at. And finding out through your own resources, not just relying upon the school to guide you, not to say that all schools are designed the same. And I think some schools will give you a really great um, path for your child. But if you can take it upon yourself, if you're noticing that your child is having some areas of difficulty to maybe do some of your own research to try to better understand how you can support your child's education. I wish I would have done that earlier and I consider that one of my parenting fails. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree. <laughs> I think that, you know, like for someone in your situation, raising kids on your own for the most part, you know, single mother, two kids and a family member living with you as well at the time that you were supporting. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I think that. <laughs> that you were doing a great job. Thank you. Know? you. And I'm glad that I was able to 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 come in and be a part of that and help in the way that I have throughout the years. But Evo, honestly, I, th I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. I think you did more than help. You became a, a primary role in those boys lives. There were many times that I couldn't even make certain school, schools, school, um, obligations that you were there and I wasn't. So, um, you're not giving yourself enough credit no, thank you. in that situation. Thank you. I, you know, <laughs> I just think I've just, I wanted to point out that you, I, I thought you were doing great. Thank you. Yeah. I reflect upon both of the boys education, um, because they're both out of school now. And I'm happy to say that I think 
I supported them the best that I could. And I think in the end, they they will look back and remember how many times that I was there. And I want them to know that I wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes parents will be there just to be there. I wanted to be there at every waking moment. There were even times that they forgot that I was there and I had to remind them, oh no, I was there for that performance or I was there for that parent-teacher conference or whatever it was. Um, It even, you know, I just remember times where teachers remembered who I was and I didn't remember who teachers were because they saw our faces so often. Right. You know? But... um, yeah, so I consider that a parenting fail, and I know that many parents may feel the same way, that they are not as involved as they could be because they're not exactly sure how they can be better involved. And I just had to do some of my own research and figure out ways that I could better support my individual child. Because uh, with our youngest now, I play no games. There is no me not speaking up for her even though she's you know charting her own course right but i mean i think third third time's around third time around <laughs> third time's a charm yeah third time's a charm you know you kind of got this by now i mean i would like to think so yeah she's also a very she's very different um as all children are they're n- no children are the same so she's very different from her brothers mm-hmm. however her growing up in a household with two older brothers has really molded her as to who she is as a young as a young girl. Yeah, I, I got I got this. so we went to um, for our viewers and listeners. Uh, we were recently at a barbecue this weekend, mm-hmm. a friend of mine's birthday, and one of the uh, I was speaking to one of the people that were there, and they were telling me they were just so surprised on how um, much she would like just immediately went to go play with like kids that she didn't know. Yeah, they had, they had a slip and slide, and you know she, she there was like. There was one kid that she really didn't know there, and another kid that she she knew, but she didn't know. Obviously, she didn't see see too often, and she was over there just playing with them like nothing, you know. As to where, you know, I guess their experiences from other girls is that they're shy or they kind of just you know play off to themselves. And mm-hmm. you know, she was over there just. I mean, I remember she was sitting in the middle of the slip and slide, like blocking them from to come down because she wanted them to come down and hit her. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just like, and I'm like, well, she's got two brothers, you know. And I was like, you got to see what she does. When those two play fight, I mean, they're grown boys yeah. and she tries they're to grown get it. men. Yeah. Well, he, I'm, at the time when this was happening, we had to kind of like intervene because it was getting kind of dangerous <laughs> where these two were like, play, they're roughhousing like boys and she's trying to get in there with, you know. I have several recordings of her jumping in and jumping trying to fight in, them like both. literally looking like she's about to catch an elbow to the mouth, <laughs> like that type of scary. Yeah, you know, where we I had to like say tell her, hey, stop, you can't. Like I know you want to, and I know it seems harmless, but you know, until you catch an elbow to the face, like you know, it's all fun and games. And uh, but she still has it in her. You can just see it. Like she just goes in there and like, and even when we went camping. You know, there was her cousins were there and there was the other little boy that was there. And I remember walking by a tent and they were full on wrestling. Mm -hmm. Like she was wrestling with them like two boys wrestle. And I remember at one point, like they were like, I don't know, one of them, like they did like a little move and she fell onto the floor and he landed on top of her and he got up. And then as soon as he got up, the other one came and like jumped on top of her. And she was just like, oh, and like, you know, rolling around and like having fun with it like a boy does. So, um. Yeah, I wonder where she gets that. That strength definitely shows in her, for sure. Well, 
I think she has an advantage, like I said. Yeah. Growing up with two older brothers, um, she has one that's a little rougher with her and one who's like truly loving and will let her beat the hell out of him, yeah. which is Anthony. And Mateo's the one that's a little... I wouldn't even say that Mateo's rough for her. I would say that he just... Um, he likes to prank her more than Anthony does. So she's just kind of learned how to adjust. So, so that's helped her in her overall life where the boys, especially Anthony, kind of had to figure that shit out on his own. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that, uh, what do they call it? The middle child syndrome. Oh yeah. I, and I completely identify with that because yeah. I'm also the middle child. So Mateo is a product of <laughs> Anthony allowing Mateo to beat him up mm-hmm. as a kid. So if you can imagine a little three year, three year old, um, beating up on a six-year-old, how much of... A, no, older than that. They're five years apart. They're five years apart. Okay, yeah. so a three-year-old beating up on an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, that three-year-old used to walk around with his chest out, like, thinking he was the baddest thing on the planet. Yeah, little did he know. And Anthony used, used to let him all the time. And I remember mm-hmm. he used to think he was so bad because he could beat up Anthony. <laughs> and, I mean, in his mind, he could beat up Anthony. And Anthony was just the sweetest little thing because he would just never let Mateo feel like he, lo- he would lose. And he grew up to be this cocky little knucklehead yeah. you know and he's got middle child syndrome he sure so. does uh so share with me your next parenting fail but before you do that um you gonna pour me some more wine oh sure not? absolutely i didn't realize <laughs> that you we, we, we were there right now yeah um you know what's so funny i think going forward we may need to get um our boys approval on some of our topics because we're over here just spilling the beans on them we gotta get some release forms yeah um i may need i may need them to sign (laughs) off on this episode because especially mateo he may be like you told them that i did what (laughs) mateo's not signing off on nothing he signed up for shit (laughs) this is good (laughs) we're pulling the parenting card on this one (laughs) sorry these are our memories too but yeah so go ahead and share with me um what would you consider the next parenting fail uh, my next parenting fail i would say would be not learning to deal with my childhood traumas before i became a parent mm. tell me about that um so you know childhood traumas it's something that i easily projected onto my children when it came to being a parent you know, a lot of situations that came about as being a parent unknowingly would trigger off traumatic events that I went through as a child. And so, for example, let's just say. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, for example. example, let's just say as a kid and I'm I'm totally making the scenario up, but I'm just using it as an example to illustrate how my childhood trauma can then translate into how I would act as a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just say I, I, um, you know, at home I have to leave the remote control in front of the, on the table so that when my father comes, you know, it's there, he doesn't have to look for it. Um, and you know, as a kid, I just, you know, always would just leave it out. And one day, you know, it became an issue and, you know, maybe my father, you know, I, I got disciplined physically for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became a traumatic memory for me. Fast forward many years later, I'm at home. You know, now all of a sudden I have a thing with the remote, you know, and it needs to be there. And when it's not there, when it comes to how I express my emotions on how I feel about that remote control not being there, the only way I know how to express that anger is the way that my father expressed the anger to me. And so here I am now acting out the only way I know how 
to act when my remote control is not there. And so, you know, there's many, there was many opportunities in my life before I became a parent where I potentially could have dealt with my traumatic emotions. Um, things that were just, I knew that were problematic for me, but never sought out to speak to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Never really thought to work through them. They were just things that I internalized and, you know, fuck it, that's just part of my life and that's just the way things are going to go. Not realizing that later on in life, those would ultimately be the fail of me being a parent and things that I would regret not dealing with before I became a parent. So, you know, we spoke about in episodes prior that, you know, it was no secret that my father, you know, used to have a very short temper. Mm -hmm. So when it came up to parent, when it came to parenting in the beginning, naturally I had a short temper. I mean, I had a short temper period, right? My father was just a short tempered person. So when it came to things that uh, I felt were offensive to me, things that didn't feel comfortable to me, things that were insulting to me, things that threatened my ego, which was, that was my dad's thing. Like, you threatened his ego, you you might as well just hit the red button, you know? It was this explosion. It was DEFCON 5. It was DEFCON 5. I mean, you, he went from 0 to 1,050 real quick. And so, naturally, when it came to expressing that type of emotion, that's the only way I knew how to. Not realizing, of course, that at some point in my life, that would eventually transcend into how I expressed my emotions when it came to being a parent. So in many different scenarios, I eventually played out the way that my father expressed his anger. Um, in, in similar scenarios, when I became a parent, and it took some time for me to realize that I needed to deal with those traumatic emotions. And it wasn't, it wasn't until that moment, once I realized um, that I was projecting that onto our family, that it became alarming to me. And it, it, it became aware that I needed to work on these things, like, immediately. Mm. And then afterwards, you know, now being in the space that we are now, where, you know, it's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I mean, it's improved significantly. I look back at it and just wish that, you know, at some point in my life, I would have dealt with those traumatic experiences. I would have um, learned how to navigate those emotions and just identify them and not let them be, excuse me, not let them be landmines, you know, in my emotional arsenal. Like my, you know, like, so, yeah, that's a, that's a big one for me. When I listen to you say that, I think about many instances where I push back on you a lot mm-hmm. when it came to those things. Oh, yeah. You were a big part of me navigating through those things, too. You know, kind of like putting the um, the, the the brick wall up where like, hey, you know, like we need to stop right now and address what's going on. Because there's a there's a, a healthier way to kind of like address this. Yeah. And that came from two different thought processes for myself number one was my dad also was very explosive you have met my father Mm -hmm. you know my father very well um but you don't know him as i knew him as a child our fathers actually are very much alike in that way they come from a world of when you insulted their ego in any which way they were going to fucking explode 
Um, I watched my father do it several times. So I would remind myself of how unhealthy that was for me as a child. How it instilled this fear in me rather than instilling respect. Yeah. For my father. It just made me afraid of who he was. And in my mind, I said to myself as a young girl, how can I get away from this? That was my only thought process. The way he treats me and the way he reacts as a human being towards me as his daughter, I need to get the fuck away from this. So when I saw some of those qualities in you, because again, you are now saying that these qualities you attribute to how your father treated you i immediately was like aware Mm -hmm. and i was like this is a no because this is going to make our children want to get the fuck away from you it's going to make them not respect you it's going to only make them fear you and it's going to make them not want to have a relationship with you because that's how i felt so that's how you felt about your father yeah yeah i felt like as a young girl he was never going to see me as an individual. He was only going to see me as a person that he wanted to control and do as he saw fit. Even though it was fully neglectful Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the most part, right? Um, Which I found kind of ironic considering that he neglected me so much, but then at the same time was like, you're going to listen to me because I'm your father, even though I take no part in loving you or caring for you. Do you feel that becoming a parent was a big step in helping you navigate through that because i feel like that that was that was the pivoting point for me like it was Mm. it was once i became a parent and then these situations started to arise and i started to deal with them in the way that i only knew how which was how my father dealt with them and then at the same time because we were parenting together Mm -hmm. i had you which was the voice of reason to um speak to me and guide me through these things that you with a different perspective saw that i could not see so you're asking me if me becoming a parent helped me see that yeah like were was it always like that for you is it something that that you is is it a space that you evolved into after becoming a parent and realizing that you know maybe you had your own traumatic emotions that at the Um, beginning you had to deal with and navigate and kind of like recognize on your own that I can just say that from the moment that I was old enough to say that I was no longer going to take him being like that to me I was never going to ever apply that behavior to any other human being okay yeah there's I mean that's there's, that, that definitely happens a lot you know and I definitely wasn't going to do it to my children yeah. my, you know what's funny is that um is so, it funny it's funny that you say that because, and it's also funny that it's funny. Be, what I'm about to say, it is funny because my brother was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, my actually my brother got the, I got the toned down version of my dad. Mm. You know, so my brother would say the same thing yeah. about me and my younger brother. Yeah. So my brother's experience was one so much that he was very much like. You know, my kids are going to just, they're going to have the freedom and space to do what it is that they want, yeah. you know, and I'm not going to trip on them, yeah. you know, for little shit, you know, and they're going to, they're going to have fun. They're going to be boys, you know, like that's the lifestyle that my brother gave to his kids. And I don't feel like my brother had that. And I feel like it was because of that experience 
like yourself, where he mm-hmm. decided at one point in his life is that I am not going to project this onto my children. And he has done that. Like, yeah. I, I know that I got sometimes we talk about parenting and some of the things that I may be going through. And then he's telling me some of the stuff that he goes through. And I'm just like, and I look at him and knowing how he grew up. And it's just so clear to me why he is the way that he is with his children. Yeah. You know, so I can definitely see you making that decision because I, I, I've I seen my brother do it. Yeah, well, my father damaged me. Yeah. And I didn't want to damage my children. Yeah. So I knew that the way he chose to be a parent to me, because he wasn't parenting me, he how he conducted himself as my parent was harmful. It was traumatic. I never wanted to be like that to yeah. my children. I'm, I never wanted to be like that to another person. I've watched my dad interact with other people and be that way, be that volatile and... He's no longer that person anymore. My dad has actually had done a fucking 180 and I've actually got a what I consider a really good relationship yeah. with him now. He's no longer that person anymore. Um, he also was afflicted by drug addiction, which played a large part in how he conducted himself. So I don't want to like bury him. But when he was parenting me when I was very young, it was a very traumatic experience for me. So I never wanted to ever put my children through that and i never wanted to be who he was as a person to anybody yeah because it was what i noticed is it brought people around him that they acted like they respected him but behind his back they were doing all type of snake shit because they didn't truly respect him he just led with fear and he thought that that was the way to do it you know right they didn't respect him they feared him yeah, I don't even know if they really feared him either. Maybe in front of them, right. maybe in front of him they feared right. him. But behind but his, his back, back, yeah, no yeah respect. zero respect because he got snaked a lot. Okay, so um, what's your next parenting fail? Okay, so this may be a hard one for a lot of parents to hear. Oh, boy. <laughs> Brace yourself. Yeah. Um, spoiling your children. Oof. And I'm going to consider this a parenting fail for myself because I at one time thought that this was the way, as the Mandalorian will say. Yeah. And the reason why I thought spoiling your children was the way was because I was severely neglected. So I thought to myself, not only am I going to give my children the time and attention, I'm going to give them all the material things, all the experiences that I never had. I'm going to pour all of this into them with almost no boundaries. Because I thought that if I gave them everything that I never had, it would in turn create a child into an adult that would flourish. But lo and behold, it does the exact fucking opposite. It teaches your child how to lack appreciation for what it is that you are doing for them. Mm -hmm. Outside of the things that you should be obligated to do as a parent. But when you are taking your kids places, when you're buying them things, when you're... Um, exposing them to like you know more luxurious experiences such as vacations you know um, taking them to theme parks things like that Mm -hmm. if you're doing this if you're overindulging them they will in turn learn how to lack appreciation for things of true value and i didn't understand that 
And it wasn't until I started to see it happen where I would go crazy, you know, buying things, doing things. And it wasn't until one time, I'll never forget, Mateo said something to me like, oh, well, you know, like I've actually never been to a place like that. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've actually taken to I've actually taken you to a place just like that, probably like a handful of times. He had no appreciation for those experiences because they were just um, Every, everyday life. It was just everyday life for him. Yeah. It's 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 difficult to appreciate something that is a regular part of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, appreciation comes from something that wasn't, you know, wasn't there ever. And then you may have gotten it temporarily and then it's gone again or something that you get every so often. You know, and that you feel the difference of it being in your life. So you appreciate it every time it's around. Yeah. A child starts to gain this sense of entitlement. Yeah. And based on their sense of entitlement, they learn to expect every request that they give to be come to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. So think about that. I hate to say this, but in the real world, is that how things work? Every request that you make in life, whether it be at a job, at school, if you make requests for something that you want, are every request met? No. no, Absolutely not. not. Even in relationships. So when you set your child up to have this expectation of every time I ask for something, it's going to immediately be given to me, then why shouldn't I expect things to just always be given to me? Mm Mm-hmm. So I considered that somewhat as a failure and I had to somewhat scale back as much as I was doing. And there were many times I felt guilty. Like, for example, right now during the summer, I was just like, you know, for the next couple of days, we're actually just going to sit in the house and watch movies. We're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to do anything. I'm not going to spend any money because if I'm doing some, something with you every day, that is supposed to be this ultimate experience. When will you actually value an ultimate experience? You really won't. Do now do you feel that um that you con- that you wanting feeling that you wanted to provide them with all of these things that you didn't have as a child was more you filling a void within yourself rather than actually providing them some, with something that they really needed because in all reality, right, they didn't need all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You were just doing it because you were lacking it in your life and you wanted to provide it to your children and at the same time feel good about it. Evo, absolutely. Um, this goes back to what you said earlier. I did not deal with the trauma in my life. So that's, that's where I was going. I had these traumatic experiences where I was severely neglected. I can think back to instances where I needed things for school or whatever it was. And the fight that I had to put up to have these bare necessities. And when I would be given the opportunity to acquire them. There was this level of embarrassment that went along with it that I said to myself from a very young age, I will never, ever put my kids through this. So what I did, I overcompensated. I gave them more than what they actually needed to a certain extent because at a certain point, I scaled back a little bit. 
So I want to share with you some information that I looked into as far as how these type of things that a parent may do for their child, this overcompensation, this overindulgence can actually negatively affect your child. So children who are spoiled can become overly dependent on their parents, which can cause them to have trouble making themselves happy as adults. Researchers Connie Dawson and David J. Brendenhoff cite a study showing that college-age young adults who were spoiled as children tended to believe that being alone makes a person unhappy and that the source of their happiness is in other people rather than themselves. Now, both of these researchers, they are PhD in family studies and social behavioral. They actually wrote a book together with another psychologist called How Much is Too Much? Raising a likable, responsible, respectful, respectful, respectful children in the age of overindulgence. And this goes hand in hand with what I'm saying. A lot of parents our age come from the generation where our parents were not involved in our like real upbringing. There's actually a term. It's called the latchkey kids. We were the kids that went to school in the morning program, the before school program where I got breakfast and then I went into my regular school day and then I went into the aftercare program and then the, after the aftercare program, I went into a babysitter and then I got picked up somewhere between 7 and 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that's even if that happened, but that's a whole nother story where... There were many times that my parents were not with me. Right. And there were many times where I was, as I got older, and now the babysitter kind of seemed like maybe not something that needed to be done, I was left home alone at a very young age. And I think a lot of other people can identify with this. They were told to lock the door, don't answer the phone, Unless you hear me ring the phone twice and then I call back and then you know it's me. You pick up. Until we got caller ID and we actually knew it was our parents calling. Wow. So then what, what happens? You then become a parent and you're like, wow, I was severely neglected as a child. Now let me just pour everything into my kids. And what winds up happening is if we go too far, we can create these children that become solely dependent on our us as parents for their experiences and for things that are purchased for them. So then when they grow to be adults, they're just like, well, how come people are not giving me anything? You know, I sit here and I say, wow. Right. Cause I'm realizing that I didn't, I didn't go through that. You know, like I, I, I had a entirely different experience Yes, you did. as a, as a kid. And it's actually one, um, that in, in, this particular situation, I wish that not to the exact same experience, but to some degree, every kid goes through. Mm -hmm. Right. So as a child, I was very spoiled. Like I had everything that I wanted in abundance and more mm -hmm. up until like I was five years old. And when I say abundance, I mean, like more toys than I can handle, you know, um, multiple cars, multiple floor house, private school, summer camps, you know, it was just very, very nice living. I don't want to get into like the details, details of it. 
But even though you just did, but go ahead. No, no, there's a lot more details to it. <laughs> I could get into it. I mean, I, I think we, you know, we spoke yeah, we've about. Yeah, we spoken about this before. Yeah, you know all the details, and I just really like feel like it's it's a lot. But um, I went from living like that to culture shock, being sent off to the, the Dominican Republic, and spending the next seven years of my life over there. And the takeaway from that for me was that at one point over there, I had to let go of everything that I found valuable as possession that I was used to Mm -hmm. and then start to appreciate the simple things that make people that live in a place like that happy every day. Yeah. And the one thing that I remember, it took many years for me to come to this, but I remember looking back at it all and saying, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because if I would have continued to live that life, I'd have been a spoiled, rotten fuck. Yeah. And I came back, um, such a humble person with so much gratitude and so much hospitality and so much appreciation for the little things in life that I didn't need all of that stuff that I used to have as a kid to make me happy. I mean, at one point I went from having everything that I ever wanted to as a kid making my own toys out of like whatever I could find because there was just no buying toys. I feel like you found joy in just life itself. I did. I found joy in just life itself, you know, and just making the best of it with whatever I had, which I'm sure a lot of kids do here. But I think that, you know, just in the experience of um, giving your kids way too much, I feel like that once they reach that point, that they should all go through the experience of getting it all stripped away mm-hmm. and then learning how to appreciate just the simple things in life. So um, you shouldn't have bought our daughter that $90 um, stitch book bag in Disney World because I want to fight you because of that. I was Whoa. like, Evo, Listen, uh, ladies she and does not need that book in, bag. In my defense, this, is, this was the first time that this little girl was ever at Disney <laughs> and she needed to have that bag. <laughs> you see, I love and I. But I, I don't spoil her. And, sir. I do not spoil her. Okay, um, I'm just going to agree to disagree, but I will say this. Um, I am definitely the one that probably says no more often than you do when it comes to our youngest. However, I totally understand why you did that. But there are many times I push back on you when it comes to purchases, when it comes to her. And I know it's so hard because she is the cutest thing ever. She is the cutest and thing ever. And I think she also has such a soft and beautiful demeanor when it comes to how she approaches you as a young child and i think that she truly does appreciate it but i will say this um i know it can be a struggle for many parents to not spoil your children because they can be just like that they can be these kids that do well in school they can be these kids that almost never really ask for anything and when they do it's something very small and insignificant i feel like she's like that she doesn't she doesn't ask for much i know know? so i know in those moments it can be very hard to say no but just remember that every time you say yes when it's something that is really not needed or something that is not earned it can then give them the impression that those type of things should be given to them in the future so that there's that's why many times I will say no. So you're saying that I need to scale back on in certain aspects, yes. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, but not in 
there are many that I don't think you think on, you should. But I'm, I'm just, just gonna, gonna say this. I'm just gonna I, say this for the record. Sure. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> I love how Eva was. I, I said this was a parenting, but Eva was like, "I don't give a fuck it, what you said." This is not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. No. I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this. What I think is very valuable to a child that you can spoil them with that will never cultivate this type of mindset of entitlement is time. Yeah. If you spoil your children with time, if you give them experiences with you as their parents, and I can think back to just recently when Ava and I went on a hike together, and it was a little difficult, but it led us to a waterfall, and we had an amazing time together. And when we walked out of the hike together, she was just like, Mommy, this was just like such a great experience. And then we went and we had lunch together. The time that I spent with her, that moment and that memory, I think will stay with her forever. I hope. Mm -hmm. But a little toy that I bought her two weeks ago, she's not going to remember. And I can tell you when I reflect upon my own childhood, I don't remember many toys. I don't remember many items that were purchased for me. But I do remember some of the most amazing times that I, at small instances, had with my parents. Those are the things that are most memorable yeah. for me. So never skimp on time with your children. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. But when they want that bullshit toy at the line at fucking Marshall's, yeah, say no that to that bullshit. shit. You know what's funny is that she didn't really want that. That stitch book. That stitch book. Yes, guide. she did. Not like that. No, I showed it to. I showed. I saw it. I thought it would look adorable on on her. Yeah, and she, she I will tell you. I will tell you that purchase was more for me no. than it was for her. It was that was my moment, you know, and being in the Disney store and getting her something that she wouldn't normally get. That was a little on the high end side. That yeah, you don't really buy a kid. Um, that I wanted her to have. I wanted to just look back at that moment. And I honestly wanted, because I felt like it was a very good quality bag. It and, is. And, it's actually, and, it's like a, considered like a memorabilia. Yeah, thing. it's like a memorabilia. And I just know from your stuff and the quality, when you buy quality stuff, it yeah. lasts you a long time. Yeah. So I just kind of envisioned this thing, like her having it like 10 years or 15 years down the road. And um, it, be, it being like a nostalgic item. I hope. It was I, all, it was like, this is all my vision. You know? I know you're just, I'm just sitting here smiling at you because I'm just like, mm -hmm. I love how Evo is justifying this. Oh, I justified the hell out of that purchase. <laughs> Forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, uh, yeah, I, I played I, I play that all out in my head down at Disney. It was going to happen no matter what. And listen, in, in, in real talk, um, I bought myself a bunch of pins that I probably didn't need but i bought them shits and i looked i actually looked at them today and i was like oh my god they're so cute no it's actually kind of dope because you have like a whole yeah like have, mem memorabilia wall over yeah, there i do yeah because so that, i think that you know that was a, that was a good purchase that's also part of my traumatic childhood yeah. the fact that i didn't like you didn't have that space i didn't have that space i didn't have those experiences and now as an adult that's what i'm doing but that's a great way for us to end our parenting fails episode even though i think that evo and i have more to share we do i feel like we can make this a part duh part two yeah let us know if you guys want to hear any more you want a part two on this we or would love there, or there are things that you would like to actually share with us that we can maybe elaborate upon that things that you as a parent feel like shit this was yeah. a failure but i've grown from this yeah. we would love to hear your input yeah, definitely on that. drop it in the comments like if you really enjoyed this episode and you want us to continue this and hear more about our parenting fails and um 
also we have another portion of this episode that we didn't even get to yeah which is i will i can hint on it sure. it, it was it would be childhood disciplines Mm. and i think that's a sticky subject if you want to hear us talk about it and want to hear our take on it how we navigated through it and how we what we feel is right and not right which is a total i mean this is like a very sensitive subject yeah we could definitely get into it but let us know yeah for sure but like i always say to you evil i had a great time having this conversation with you always a pleasure always a pleasure always a pleasure but until next friday ladies and gentlemen peace out peace out